Once again, the Capital Region faced record high temperatures this week. We hope you're staying cool in your house, your car, or any of the cooling centers that were set up around the region. Visit timesunion.com to see where those are. In the meantime, coming up on this episode of The Eagle, we'll go over the week's top headlines. If we can put a man on the moon, we can come up with another history question, and the state can perhaps explain why this one had to be pulled. We'll talk about the impact of last week's Amtrak suspension in Albany. It was uh, just basically a real mess. Um, Certainly you don't want a building collapsing on your train. And we'll learn about a pair of hikers who search for the wreckage of plane crashes in the Hudson Valley. There's one on um, Stopple Point right on the trail that is like the only thing that are gone to the wings. This is The Eagle, a Times Union podcast, a look inside our newsroom. I'm Jessica Marshall. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring in you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union member today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. Welcome to The Eagle. I'm Jessica Marshall. Alrighty, now let's discuss what appeared in the Times Union and on timesunion.com this week. We are here once again with Times Union Editor-in-Chief Casey Seiler. Let's go over the top news this week. We'll start with the Central Warehouse and the state of things there. We left When we left off last week, or excuse me, when we left off two weeks ago, this hadn't even happened yet, so we haven't even covered it on the podcast. But as of now, train service is resumed, but there's still many, many, many issues with the Central Warehouse. So give us the latest. Yeah, um, this this is nothing new for Central Warehouse. There have been fires there. There's been previous structural problems, but this really seems to be bringing the condition of this notorious eyesore close by the Hudson River and and I seven eighty seven to you know to a crisis point. As we sit here, we are, I guess. Uh, two days into what Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan has set as a 10-day deadline for Evan Bloom, who is the ostensible owner of Central Warehouse, though the Albany County is trying to prize it away from him. The city has given him 10 days to do the necessary repairs to the building. Um, It is uh, unclear and probably highly doubtful that Mr. Bloom is going to be able to uh, come across with all of the the repairs that need to be made. The city said that over the course of the, the past week, since the structural analysis found that pieces of the building were falling off the south side and imperiling the Amtrak tracks, the city says it's done about $100,000 worth of work, which they are going to bill Mr. Bloom for. Again, that is something that um, he is, based on past performance, is likely to push back on very strongly. He has been you know, raising questions about, well, who, who knows for sure if this debris uh, actually tumbled off the building. It, it's obviously, it, it, this has been a decades-long 
you know, crisis in the making, as it were. The city uh, has uh, essentially watched as Central Warehouse has been handed from one developer to, you know, another bank or, or credit union, you know, owner to owner to owner to owner, each one claiming that they've got a plan to, you know, rehab the site, turn it into apartments, little light retail on the ground floor, what have you. None of it has come to fruition. It's it's a challenging building. It is built like a like a bunker, you know, out of World War II. It's a it's a refrigeration plant um, from 1927. It stood this long. It would be really hard to essentially remake it. But uh, it it is without a doubt uh, Albany's ugliest building. And now it's a regional problem in the sense that it's imperiling uh, passenger train traffic through the region. Absolutely. And we will have more on that particular aspect of it later in this podcast. And I also wanted to point out that didn't one of our own Times Union photographers witness debris falling from the building? Yes. Luckily, Will Waldron was uh, at a distance when a piece of it fell off. But yeah, he was he was witness to to a chunk coming down. I, I myself, along with my wife, was witness to well, we, we got there just after they removed the smokestack from, I guess it would be the southeast corner of the building, which is um, very close to uh, this kind of large scar that has opened up in the, the fascia, you know, the skin of the building. Well, I also encourage people to head over to timesunion.com where uh, we have drone footage from the building. This was taken a couple of years ago, but it still kind of shows you some of the building if you're having trouble visualizing uh, maybe what we're talking about. All right, let's move on to a different warehouse. The Amazon warehouse over in Rensselaer County is uh, now being investigated. What's going on over there? Yeah, the Amazon warehouse is 1 million square feet, obviously a, a humongous development in the town of Skodak. And now it looks like OSHA, you know, federal uh, labor investigators are on site looking into allegations that uh, that safety protocols might have been uh, might have been trimmed a little bit. Amazon pushes back on that idea, but um, Heather Goodall, who is an employee at the factory, who is trying to organize a union drive, which is of course something that we're seeing at Amazon sites across the country, filed an OSHA complaint uh, specifically about overstuffed bins, you know, uh, bins of inventory that were breaking, posing a hazard. She says that uh, an end table, you know, fell from about 15 feet from one of the sort of high platforms that goods are stored on and, and, uh, and almost struck her. OSHA is, of course, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration sent there by the Justice Department. So we, we will, of course, be on the lookout for the, uh, for the results of that investigation. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on now to discuss Chris Churchill's latest column. It has an awesome tagline. It goes, what question led the state education department to cancel a regent's exam? Mere mortals can't know. All right, please tell us more about this. What is he talking about? Yeah, Chris had a great column and it was following up on uh, our education reporter, Kathleen Moore's work. Uh, this uh, question was, as you noted, on the, the region's history test in the wake of the Buffalo shooting massacre um, that occurred in May, the regents decided to cancel this exam because of the inclusion of this question. Kathleen 
foiled to find out what that question is because the state education department had not stated what it was. And uh, that foil was rejected. She appealed and she was told that the reason that the state was not disclosing the question was because the question remained in the question bank, uh, you know, in reserve, as it were, and might end up on a future regents exam. In other words, this question was so disturbing that it, it caused the statewide cancellation of this history test, but the state education department might include it on, an, on a later test. Wait, what? Yeah, we don't know what the question is. Our editorial board has noted that uh, state education officials deserve an F for the way that they have handled this. Surely, if we can put a man on the moon, we can come up with another history question and the state can perhaps explain why this one had to be pulled. You know, we understand the need to maintain a decent bank of questions, but you've got a lot of months in which you can come up with a freshie so it's just an, an amazing story. So Chris likens it to uh, an old Monty Python skit about uh, the joke that killed <laughs> during that was used in a famous Monty Python skit that soldiers in World War II, uh, a British soldier was, would uh, read this joke in German and you would hear the German uh, sniper in the tree, as it were, going, ha, 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 and then boom, they would fall out of the tree. In other words, this is the, the question so lethal that it can cancel the test, but New York taxpayers who paid for the, you know, the history regents exam to be uh, abortively offered up uh, won't even get a chance to, to see why this took place. So not a, not a good lesson in transparency. One more topic to cover, and we're going to cover restaurants here. Uh, the village of Voorheesville, which is in Albany County, is getting some sit-down tables for the first time in a very long time. A lot of people were interested in this news, so can you tell us more? Yeah, Voorheesville, a a lovely town, 2,800 residents, and for years now, it had no restaurants, no sit-down tables, nothing. Uh, This is in the wake of the 2017 closure of Smith's Tavern, that uh, I can remember going to for its famous pizza. And it shut down for what was going to be a Stewart's. The Stewart's never um, actually developed. And, and then for years, the, uh, the, the village went without any restaurants. And happily, uh, some have opened up and more will be coming online in the months to come. So this, this uh, long dining break for the residents of Voorheesville and those who love driving out to its leafy streets uh, will come to an end. That is definitely good news. I don't live out there, but I go out there every so often and I'm looking forward to it myself. All right, Casey, thank you so much. We will check back in with you next week. Thanks, Jess. As always, you can learn more about all of the topics and the issues that we discuss on this podcast at timesunion.com. Let's return now to the topic of the Central Warehouse. Last week, Amtrak temporarily suspended service west of Albany. It resumed on Monday. It was a precaution, according to Amtrak. No Central Warehouse debris actually fell on the tracks, but the timing was really bad. Summer travel is at its peak right now. 
And it stopped brand new service to Burlington, Vermont on the Ethan Allen Express in its tracks. Officials were literally in the middle of a media event up there to send the train south on its maiden voyage when all of this went down. Train service through Albany, though, whether it's passenger or freight, has been fraught throughout its history. Former Times Union business editor Eric Anderson has written extensively about it through his career. I connected with him to talk about last week's shutdown. Here's part of our conversation. You've been going around the globe enjoying retirement, but somehow we pulled you back and you you did some writing for us, some reporting and writing for us this week um, on the situation uh, that developed around the central warehouse whereby Amtrak um, closed its service. So I guess just start by telling me, kind of giving me the 35,000 foot view of what happened this week Um, and last. This uh, building that is precariously close to the main rail line for Amtrak that goes east and west uh, from Boston to Chicago was started falling apart. And unfortunately for Amtrak, it came at what otherwise should have been a a pretty good day for the rail service. They were, uh, as you know, restoring regularly scheduled passenger service to Burlington, Vermont, the largest city in Vermont, for the first time since, um, depending on what estimate you look at, either 1953 or 1955, which uh, is a long time wow. to go. The, um, That's a lifetime. Yes. While the train tracks were being shut down here in Albany, you know, there were ceremonies going on at the Burlington station. I believe the CEO of Amtrak was there along with a lot of elected officials and, and just a lot of people who want to take the train. I think the first one was sold out. They did manage to um, travel as far as um, Saratoga by train, and but then they were loaded onto buses, which isn't quite what you pay for. That's not the experience you're looking for. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you're saying that the maiden voyage of this train to Burlington was stopped by this was interrupted incident with the central warehouse yes, I, or inter uh, sorry interrupted yes. word. <laughs> both directions what they did was create this bus bridge basically with, that carried people from Saratoga Springs down to uh, Rensselaer um, by bus and that the train that was to make the return trip the following day was there and so they could just board that train, um, it was turned around and sent back to New York City. And the people who got off that train got on in Saratoga. They were bussed back up and they went up to Burlington. So, But it, it, mm. it was probably an inconvenience more than anything else. That adds, that adds a bit of stress to a situation that should be relaxing. But tell me, so you have covered Amtrak and train infrastructure in the region for a long time. Everybody kind of sees you as the the... Resident expert, I mean, how does this incident stack up in terms of the things that you've reported on? It was just basically a real mess. Um, Certainly, you don't want a building collapsing on your train, and yet there's not much um, that can be done. I was looking at the plans, the environmental impact statement for the uh, new Livingston Avenue Bridge. That involves new track from the just north of the train station across the Hudson River. And unfortunately, it lines up with the existing track just before you get to the warehouse. Even after a new Livingston Avenue bridge is built across the Hudson, 
uh, it looks like the um, warehouse problem is is still going to exist. Let's talk more about the Livingston Avenue Bridge project. Um, I think that's really relevant here. So for those who aren't aware, the Livingston Ave Bridge, it's basically the only place that passenger trains can cross the Hudson uh, if they're coming from the west and north or if they're going to the west and north. Um, In May, Governor Kathy Hochul announced a $400 million project to replace this bridge because it's really, really old, right? Yes. The the bridge superstructure itself, I believe, dates from like the very beginning of the 1900s. and the piers that it rests on are even older. I, I, I've seen some figures saying that some might uh, actually stretch back to the late 1800s or even around the Civil War. Wow. So it's old. They're old. Is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. And I guess it's a swing bridge. And I guess the concern, and I, I believe this has happened uh, once or twice in, in the past, sometimes it gets stuck. And if it's stuck in the open position, there's all kinds of, obviously, there's a problem there. It seems like having this one ancient crossing without any backup is its kind of like a house of cards or something. So like if one thing goes wrong, the whole system's screwed. It's far more vulnerable. I guess that would be the word now to any kind of disruption like the warehouse and it was mm-hmm. 30, 40 years ago. And I guess it's been quite a while. So going back to what happened last week with the central warehouse and the debris, um, this had to be a headache that Amtrak just doesn't need right now, yeah? Amtrak is having the same issue as the airlines. Um, they don't have enough employees. There were layoffs and buyouts and, and that sort of thing. But now, um, you know, they're trying to recruit again. And, and they've had uh, just la- within the last couple of days out West, uh, the Empire Builder, which runs between Chicago and Seattle and uh, Portland, it splits at Spokane, had to be canceled because they didn't have enough crew to operate it. And there's a shortage of equipment as well. There, there are no um, replacements being built for the those double-decker superliners that are mainly out West. When there's a derailment or something like that, that stuff doesn't come back compounds right yeah so so it's uh so they're scrambling and they have some ambitious plans and they do apparently have the federal funding to do to carry them out you probably saw stories uh it was probably almost a year ago now um they're planning a lot of short corridors for example like cleveland to columbus to cincinnati that would have multiple trains a day so that like business travelers wouldn't be locked hmm. into like one one train. It would be almost similar to um, what you see from Albany to New York City or um, New York to Harrisburg or um, Chicago to Milwaukee and to uh, St. Louis. Eventually, wow. we may get a lot of train service back, but it's um, things like this that, that can be a setback to any progress because you probably also have a lot of people right now who aren't recalling this trip uh, fondly, especially. <laughs> oh, Remember that time? Yeah. Yeah, especially, especially yeah. ones who were on the Lake, the Lakeshore Limited trains that got canceled because, again, they have, you know, they have dining cars and bedrooms and it's for them, it's, uh, they probably have a lot more luggage. It's hard to get a reservation in a well, sleeping car, I guess you could call the Pullman. Well, it's really yeah, hard. you'd have to book that in advance. Yes. Wow. And yeah, have it canceled on you like, you know, 20 minutes before you're ready to board. It probably wasn't a pleasant experience. So Amtrak's going to have to win those people back. 
after the break, we're switching modes of transportation. We're going to talk about planes, specifically plane crashes in the Catskills. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring in you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union member today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. You're listening to The Eagle, a Times Union podcast. I'm Jessica Marshall. The Catskill Mountains are an excellent destination for avid hikers. From the casual meanderers to hardcore bushwhackers, it's a popular natural wonder that draws people from all over the world. For most people, it's the thrill of conquering a trek or observing wildlife. For Stash Russin, it's those things too. But it's also a mission to find the lost wreckage of plane crashes. I spoke to him recently to find out more about what he does and why. Let's talk about your hobby, which, I, you know, is pretty unusual as far as hobbies go. So how did this all start? When I was hiking on, on some of the hikes you do in the Catskills, uh, mostly 3,500 peaks, uh, there are a couple plane crashes that you come across while hiking on the trails. And uh, it's very unusual. Usually, if you do your research, you know about it. Um, if you don't, then you're probably going to get freaked out pretty, pretty crazily. But like if you didn't know there was a plane crash, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Did this happen it, recently? Exactly. And there's a, there's a couple that are exactly right on the trails, like seriously right in the middle of the trails. And uh, when I did one of these hikes, I, I ran into one and my curiosity went crazy. And I was just like, oh, my God. And a lot of there's a lot of information on the Internet about the, the common ones, but the uncommon ones, there's not definitely not. So how do you go about starting to research it? A lot of a lot of information is is going from past history of maybe like the plane databases, NTIS uh, bat databases, and military databases and stuff. It, it takes a lot of work to get some information. There's a lot of stuff uh, located even in your your local libraries of of just looking for past newspaper reports. It's it's very critical to know when and if it happened. So, how many have you discovered? I myself has discovered 22. Tell me about some of the most interesting ones that you came across. A lot of these these plane crashes, of course, are small engine plane crashes uh, coming out of, like, let's say, Stewart Air Force Base, which is which is south of the Catskills. And a lot of these planes do not really rec- real, realize that the Catskills are super, the rise from the Hudson Valley are steep as heck. So... Most of them are small engine aircraft, and the ones that I find interesting are the ones that are almost fully intact, that you can easily tell it's a plane. There's one on um, Stopple Point, right on the trail, that is like the only thing that are gone are the wings. So the whole cockpit, the whole end of the plane, the flaps in the back are still on it. It's really, really interesting. Um, There have been military jets that have crashed in the Catskills a lot of them actually like like five or six and those are very interesting because those are mostly from pilots uh doing maneuvers and practices and they unfortunately do a wrong turn and it ends up in a fatal crash 
I'm guessing a large number of these, if not all of them, are fatal crashes, or do people survive these plane crashes that you find? There, there have been a couple that have survived. Uh, only a few, though. I, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, from our research, and it's mostly Joe's research, I would say that like 98% of them have not survived. What are you hoping to do with all this? It's, it's seriously is just sparked as a hobby. I, I would admit I, back in the days, uh, Joe and I were thinking about maybe writing a book about it and just documenting, um, all the plane crashes, what happened when, how all that stuff. But I, I think that's gone away from us now. And we're, uh, trying to stay away from that because we realized how, uh, uh, it's, it's more out of respect. A lot of these places, you know, are where one to, to six people have passed away and, and it's unfortunate. It's like a tombstone, really. It's unfortunate. Yeah. It's kind of a memorial. Yeah. So how often do you get out there and on the hiking trails and, and searching and how often do you get to do that? Well, I hike at least twice a week. I'm always out hiking whenever I can, especially in the Catskills, because I love that place. Um, it's so beautiful. But to get out for plane crashes, uh, that's a little tough. That's that's when Joe has the, the time or one of my friends have the time or I have the time to do the research and navigation. Because some of these are, are still guesses of where they are and not exact locations that we have confirmed. So... It takes a lot of planning. So instead of getting out there, you know, per week to find all these, I mean, we, we'd be done with them by now. Um, but we just we just haven't had the, the time to go out there to check them all out and stuff like that. Plus, we have a bunch. We're both occupied. I have a job. Joe's retired, but we both have search and rescue. So once in a while, we'll get out there and Joe and I will research and find try to find another plane crash. What is... One thing that you would want people for sure to know about what you and Joe do to really hook them, what would that be? I'd have to say that that doing the research is is very, very fun. Um, with Joe and I, we, we go back and forth, of course, back and forth to get research. But you have to do so many different things. It's almost like you're, you're being uh, uh, very curious of everything. And then it hops one thing leads to another. You're, you're searching for, for evidence and it just keeps you keep digging down that rabbit hole and uh it's very fun but you know when you when you get to the site and you actually see it you know you're, you're excited but then you're also you're quiet and and you are just like wow somebody somebody actually died here like it's, it's crazy it's it's really uh but you pay your respects and you walk out but the just seeing seeing that first plane crash like on the trails ones are really it's still really awesome i mean i've been to, to all the crashes three, four times. And it's still really cool to see that. It's really, it sounds really morbid, but. <laughs> um, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's a very like kind of powerful experience. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, find it when, when you're, when you're hiking in the Catskills, sometimes you can find old artifacts, like a, like an old car sitting in the middle of, of, of like a five miles away from any road or house. It's, it's, it's crazy. The same thing goes with a, with a plane crash, except we, basically hopefully know that where they all are somewhat we we have a guess but if i want to tell somebody i'm just like it's really cool you just gotta you gotta be good with your navigation and uh you gotta learn for respect and you also gotta respect the mountains as well because mountains are rugged out there especially if you're gonna go for a plane crash it's not easy 
you can hear more about Stosh Russin's adventures in the Catskills on his podcast, Inside the Line, The Catskills, available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, that's it for this week. I'm Jessica Marshall. We'll be back next week with another look inside the newsroom here at the Times Union. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Or head on over to timesunion.com for the latest news and features. The Eagle is a production of the Times Union. It's produced and edited by me, Jessica Marshall, with help from the Times Union digital team and the newsroom. Special thanks to Casey Seiler and Eric Anderson for their contribution to this episode.